Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome, everybody, to the Believe in the Jets podcast. I am your host, Andrew Golden of Jets X Factor. As always, I got my co-host, Lamont Jordan, former New York Jet running back here with me. Lamont, how was your Thanksgiving? Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Relaxing. Uh, Got up, did some training, and um, wound up taking a nap. Yeah. (laughs) Caught up in some football games, and then uh, just went to my cousin's house, just ate some good food. Fried turkey, man. Oh, my gosh. Fried turkey is the absolute best. And um, came home and and just laid it down. Yeah, yeah, sounds like a good time. Sounds yeah, like I was a good yours. Time. It was pretty similar. Yeah, uh, stayed home with the family, watched some football, had some good food. Uh, we're Italian, so we had the big ziti going. That was uh, that was definitely the highlight of the day for me. Um, yeah, overall a good day. Watched some not so entertaining football games, but still fun in general to watch football on Thanksgiving, regardless of how good or bad the football is. And uh, yeah, it was a good day. I'm excited to get into today. We're going to do a quick review of the Dolphins game and then get into looking ahead to the Houston Texans with Zach Wilson's return. That's the big story. That's what everyone wants to talk about. We're not going to spend too much time on the Dolphins, but we'll get into it a little bit. The Jets are coming off a loss. It was 24-17 at home to the Miami Dolphins. And this was a tough game for me personally, because I felt like there was a lot of missed opportunities. And I felt like this was a game that they could have had an opportunity to really, really win early, really get out early and get to a big lead and play with a lead. And that's not something that the Jets do often. Uh, They had three missed opportunities from the Dolphins where the Dolphins had three straight possessions towards the end of the first half, and they didn't score any points. They went three and out twice. Uh, They missed a field goal as well. And they had multiple opportunities from the Jets offense where they moved the ball. It wasn't like they were getting three and outs. They were getting down the field. Uh, They had a turnover from Ashton Davis on an interception. Jets go down and score a touchdown and tie at 7-7. Defense comes out and forces a three and out. Jets get the ball back. And they go down to the five-yard line before Joe Flacco fumbles. And it was just a delayed blitz from the Dolphins. It's just a really good defensive call. Safety comes late. There was no time for anybody in the offensive line to pick it up. They disguised it well, timed it really well. Flacco gets hit. He's got a stick call to his right, and he's looking at the fullback that was playing tight end and the slot receiver that was going on the flat route, and he just doesn't have time to get the ball out, and it ends up being a fumble, and momentum changed from there. The Jets go and score on that possession. It's 14-7. The Dolphins didn't come out and score until the second half. They could have gotten uh, three straight touchdowns, been up 28-7 going into halftime, and they would have got the ball back. This this is rough. This is the signs of a team that don't know how to win yet. And this is when you're a young team, when you're installing a a new coach and a new system. There's a bunch of new players on the team at the same time. That's what's going to happen. And I really think that this was an example of them needing to learn how to win. I think you can learn a lot more from this game um, than you can from like a major blowout. Lamont, I'm sure you can speak to that as a player more so than anything else. This is a game that I feel like the Jets lost more than the Dolphins won. And those are the games that hurt you as a player. Yeah, no, listen, I agree with you. I agree with you 100%. 
Um, you know, as I'm going back and I'm watching the game, um, I'm seeing a lot of third and longs mm -hmm. completed for, from the Dolphins. Um, I, I think for me, the biggest takeaway from this game is that the Jets are still searching for their identity. Yeah. For me, that's that's the biggest takeaway from the game. Uh, we talked about it last week, how there were certain guys that we needed to get, see them get the ball in space. They got more yeah. the ball in space. They got Carter the ball in space. Um, but you just can't, just the mistakes. You know, yeah. a turnover in the red zone, what, two missed field goals that, yeah. that changes the outcome of everything that's happening. Yeah. Um, and then just the amount of big plays. There were a lot of plays that were 20 yards or more yeah. in this game. and and. All in all, is as a Jets fan, you, it sucks to see them lose to the Dolphins, just yep. in general. But to lose a game that you know you're desperately, desperately looking for mm -hmm. a win, and you had a chance to get a victory against the Dolphins, and I just really like, I agree with you. I think this yep. was more about what the Jets didn't do opposed to what yep. the Dolphins did. Um, but with that said, you know we move on to 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 Houston this week yep. on the road. Don't have to worry about cold weather, wind, and all yep. those different. Things. And so, um, you know, I'd like to hear, hear what your take, what it, what is it, what do we have to do in order for the Jets to walk away with the victory? Yeah. Yeah. This game is really interesting. Uh, first and foremost, Zach Wilson is back and that is going to help regardless of in what ways in particular, Zach Wilson being back, he is the starting quarterback. The team is going to rally around him. I fully believe that his talent on top of just his moxie and his natural ability, um, is going to be more beneficial to this team than Joe Flacco or Mike White would be just point blank period. So that's a big factor. However, this is where I want to go to first. We need to remember the coaching staff of the Houston Texans. Their defensive coordinator is Lovey Smith. Lovey mm -hmm. Smith has been in the league for years. Lovey Smith has been a head coach in the league for years, had a lot of success on the mid to early to 2010s, late two thousands with the Chicago bears famous for his Tampa two defense more than anything else. And he's the defensive coordinator of the Houston Texans right now. He's not only playing Tampa two it's he does some other things every now and again, but it's still his main coverage. And what he did specifically last week against the Tennessee Titans that really got to Ryan Tannehill is he disguised his coverage. He didn't mm -hmm. do anything fancy. He just changed the alignment of the defense and where guys were lining up before the snap. So it's not so much showing one coverage and shifting to another. It's just changing where people are lining up and then rotating to either this guy's dropping or this guy's rushing as a veteran defensive coordinator going against a rookie quarterback, coming back into his first game after sitting out with an injury. I am sure Lovey Smith is going to try some interesting wrinkles to get to Zach Wilson and confuse him as most defense coordinators would against a rookie quarterback. Specifically, what they did against the Tennessee Titans and Tannehill is they did some double mug pressures. And they would bring both their linebackers down into the A-gap, and they would drop them out instead of blitzing. And Tannehill would be confused because he thought it was going to be a blitz, and he would have expecting A.J. Brown to come in on an over uh, quick in route, and the linebacker would drop into the throwing lane, and he would pick it off. I think that's something that they're going to try again against Zach Wilson because they're going to think, oh, we're blitzing you. You're a rookie. We're going to come up and try and heat you up with a blitz, and then the linebackers are going to drop out. And if they're going to do that, the first thing the Jets have to do, and it sucks that Michael Carter is out, and we'll get into that more because he is a huge factor of this offense, and him being out cannot be understated. But I get Tevin Coleman in the game, and if you're going to have linebackers going backwards, I'm running right at them. I'm daring them 
to get into that double mug pressure look again. Scare them out of it with the run game. See if you can get some identity on the inside, generate some power. And especially if you're going to have guys that are linebackers and they're already moving backwards off the snap because they're dropping out of a blitz look, you're getting an advantage as an offensive lineman getting to get up on them instead of them coming at you to try and shed, you can get into a better position. You're going to move the line of scrimmage. You're going to get yards just going straight at it. And I think that is how you establish the run of this game with Michael Carter out. You get Tevin Coleman in the game. You get into some 11 uh, personnel. You get into some single back sets. You dare them into that double mug pressure and you try and run right into it. See if you can't get some free yards inside, back them out of their pressure looks. And it's also going to open up play action, especially for a quarterback like Zach Wilson, having the benefit of play action, especially with how Elijah Moore is playing right now and his ability to get down the field. That's going to be really huge for this offense. I think you got to be able to back them off with the run game first and foremost, because I think Lovey Smith is a veteran. DC is going to be looking to confuse Wilson and you got to make it easy on him as in as many ways as possible. First and foremost, that starts with the run game. Yeah, no, listen, I agree with you. And and when I saw Carter was out, I, I, it, it yeah. just it threw me for a loop because coming into it, uh, before I knew that he was out, I was I was thinking, I was like, okay, this is a game that the Jets can win. Yeah. You know, this is a game that they can definitely win. If they can kind of build off of some of the momentum of last week. I mean, you know, it, 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 yes, it is a tough loss, but I feel like there were a number of good things that we saw last week that yes. we can kind of build on for the remainder of the season. You have to believe Moore's confidence coming into this game is going to be is going to be up. You have to believe, and, and you hit the nail on the head with your prop bet last week with Jamison Crowder getting more involved yeah. in the offense with his reception. Um, for me, I agree with you with respect with regards to getting the run game going, but I would like to see a multitude of runs. Yes, when you walk those backers up in the A gap, if your game plan is to run right at them. You can pinch. You can just have the two backers shoot the A gaps. You can pinch inside the B gaps and force the back to bounce the ball, which is ultimately what I think Houston wants them to do. Um, with that said, you can still attack the, the run game downhill, but have a multitude of different runs. Run your counters, run your powers, hit your stretch plays, things of that nature. And now we're talking about the two-headed monster now of Coleman and my Turk, Ty yeah. Johnson. I think that you have to find a way to get these backs involved in space as far as the check downs. So yes, the run game is critical for me. It's check the ball down, check the ball down. Let's be efficient. Take what the defense gives you and, uh, and, and force Lovey Smith to line up and what it is that he wants you to line up in. Cause personally, I'm not completely sold that, I think offensive weapon wise, the Jets have better offensive weapons than the Houston Texans. Agreed. I mean, when you look at the Houston Texans, yes, Agreed. you have Conley, yes, you have Brandon Cooks, and yes, you have David Johnson. These are three studs. David Johnson is a stud out of the backfield. But yeah, I'll take Crowder, I'll take yeah. Davis, you know, and I'll take more with the rookie quarterback who can move, who who can move and who can throw yeah. the ball on the run. Mm-hmm. So me, the first thing that I'm looking at is listen, Zach Wilson take what the defense gives you. If a check down is there, take the check down. That is an extension of your run game. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that, especially with a defense like this, while they are, they can be somewhat confusing. They're not very man heavy. And when a team isn't very man heavy, it's going to leave the underneath for free open, usually more often than not. 
So you're going to be able to have space for the checkdowns. And that's, and it is an extension of the run game. And I agree that you got to be able to vary your, your inside run games. This is a great game for some trap runs. Let's get Barrett Tucker trapping a linebacker coming through the a gap and, and just taking him out of the play. Uh, You know, you got to be able to, if team wants to, is what I always like to say is the team that dictates the matchups is going to win the game. Mm-hmm. And if you're offensively, if a defense wants to come out and pressure looks and have their specific game plan to try and confuse your quarterback, if you let them do that, you're going to have a long day offensively. You have to make them change what they're doing. You have to dictate the flow of the game and say, this was your plan. We came out and countered it. Now you have to adjust on the fly and do something different. We are now in control of this game. We mm-hmm. backed you out of your plan. You're now reacting. We are attacking. And I think that is what the Jets need to try and find to do with this game. And quite honestly, I'm confident that Michael Flores is going to be able to do it. I, with the way that he has been sequencing plays together and understanding the defenses that he's going against the last couple of weeks, I'm, I'm very impressed with his self-awareness as a play caller recently and his ability to see what's in front of him, see things for what they are, sit there and go, Elijah Moore is my number one receiver. And and it's well aware now. And so I'm going to feature him as the guy on the double post pattern, not my number one receiver, Corey Davis, like it was in preseason. It's the Mm -hmm. same play they ran against Packers in the preseason in week two. I remember breaking down that play for Jets X Factor. I did a film review on it and it's just a double post. And double post widens out inside safety of the second one coming in behind it. It's man coverage. Byron Jones starts with outside leverage on Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore gives him a slight nod to the outside, breaks back inside, and he's wide open. Uh, Post underneath on a little skinnier post widens out the free safety. They ran that play to Corey Davis in the preseason. That's their go-to get Corey Davis the ball in space, give him room to run play. He was their guy at the start of the year. Now it's Elijah Moore. Now they're putting him in that position on the outside and saying, you go be the number one receiver. You go beat all pro Byron Jones and one-on-one on a post route and win and take the ball for 62 yards and a touchdown. This is, I trust that Michael floor is going to be able to generate plays against this defense, because I think there is going to be confusion. And I think they're going to try quite honestly, I think Lovey Smith might try and do a little too much. And I think Michael floor might be able to just try and like you said, hit the checkdowns get some inside runs, counters, traps, powers, anything to kind of take advantage of those linebackers, get Elijah Moore the ball in space. I think there's room to be had on this defense. This is not a good team. Neither of these teams are good and neither of these offenses or defenses are that good statistically or in general. So it's not unreasonable to think that the jets with the way their offense has been playing recently is going to move the ball on this defense. Mm -hmm. No, listen, I agree with you. I mean, that's less, we're talking about the defense. Uh, Houston in yards per game is 30th. Yeah. Uh, rushing yards per game, they're 30th. Uh, points per game, they're 30th. The one area, and this leads me to my next point, is that Houston is in the top 10. When it comes to takeaways, they're sixth in the ni- in the National Football League. Now, I know people listening may say, hey, well, Ryan Tannehill threw four picks last week. Well, if you take away those four picks, they're still in the top half of the National Football League with yeah. regards to takeaways. And if you also add the games that were played yesterday with those teams who are ranked above them, we're talking about a defense. When it comes to takeaways, they're in the top 10. So my next point is, hey, take care of the ball. Houston does not win that game last week if they ta- if Tennessee takes care of the ball. 
I think Tennessee moved the ball up and down the field on them. Yeah. Um, and and I agree with you uh, that 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 Lafleur, this game is going to be on him. That's going to be my later point. Yeah. But with regards to to my second point of what we have to do to win this game, and I know that hey, you know that most people say hey, coming into every game you gotta you have to be able to take care of the ball. Yeah, well the fact of the matter is these are two bad offenses. These are two bad yeah. defenses. You really can't rely on anything from either one of these offenses that are consistent. And when you look at the numbers, the only thing that sticks out to me, which separates these two teams, is that Houston is ranked in the top 10 when it comes to taking the ball away. So for for me, you have to hold on to the ball. If we can look up at the end of this game and we can say that the Jets did not turn the ball over, I think that there's a great chance that this Jets team wins this game. But first and foremost, you have to take care of the ball. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you you nailed it. In every game, you have to take care of the ball, but especially in a game like this where the Jets' defense does not create turnovers mm-hmm. and the Texans' defense does. Mm-hmm. And uh, turnovers are a thing where, yes, they're very streaky. If you look at them from a statistical aspect, they don't necessarily always translate year to year. But mm-hmm. when they do translate in that year, they come in bunches. And mm-hmm. some teams just have a knack for creating turnovers. You look at the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the early 2000s when they won the Super Bowl and they scored like seven defensive touchdowns that year or something insane. They made it an emphasis at the beginning of the year. We're going to go out. We're going to create turnovers. We're going to try and and be opportunistic. And this defense creates turnovers for the same reason that they give up yards sometimes because they are going to be opportunistic and they are going to take chances. And you have guys like Justin Reed at free safety, who's a really good player in the back end who can intercept passes and cover a lot of ground might take a chance breaking on a a pass deep up the seam. There's, there's going to be a tough matchup, making sure the jets aren't too aggressive. You don't want to be two balls to the wall down the field. You don't want it to be the week one game plan against Carolina with Zach Wilson, which is what's either going to be a run play or it's going to be a deep shot down the field. That's not going to work. You mm-hmm. can't do that with, until you set up everything else. You have to mm-hmm. be patient. You have to attack on the ground. You have to hit underneath. You can't turn the ball over. You have to back them into a defense that is more focused on stopping underneath. That's when the deep shots to Elijah Moore will open up. That's mm-hmm. when you'll be able to hit the plays down the field. And you still need to take your shots. I yeah. think that's the last thing I want to say is you still need to take your shots, especially with Zach Wilson in. You can't just be. Zach Wilson can't come in and play like Mike White. Zach Wilson has to come in and play like a better Zach Wilson. Yes. Yes. No, and I agree with you. And then that was going to lead to to my next point, which ties LaFleur and, and Wilson together. During his time off, what did Wilson do that's going to help him to get better? Yeah. And and LaFleur. You have to come up with a game plan because, listen, with Flacco was in the game, and I'll give you credit on this, where you, where you felt like the Flacco could shred this defense, he could if you just gave him the time, which was what I was worried about. If you give Flacco yeah, the that time, was the problem. he can shred you, unfortunately, especially in the red zone on that one particular play. He just did not have the time. Um, there was a post route that he threw to Davis where he got hit on. He couldn't step into it. I think Davis had his man beat. Um, so with regards to the floor, can you call a game that would allow Zach Wilson to just drop back and, and, and carve the defense apart? Picking up pressure is going to be critical. I yeah. think that the Jets are going to face a lot of pressure in this game. 
I really do. I think they're going to they're going to I think they're going to see some pressure. What I saw that Houston did against Tennessee was I felt like they played. I think you hit on this. They played everybody in the box. Yeah, everybody was close. Like yep. you said, they ran. And then the they would drop them afterwards. But then they would just drop everybody back. To me, that is genius, because what you're selling, what you're telling me is you want me to either beat you deep, or you have to give your quarterback time to sit and wait, let everybody drop, and then hope that you have the route, the right combination of routes that can hit underneath. And I think that Houston. Yep. From a defensive side of the ball, they do a great job of getting to the ball. That's the one thing that I noticed about that Tennessee game is they do a great job of getting rid of the ball. So LaFleur has to come up with some type of pass protection that's going to allow us to take these deep shots. Listen, yeah. I don't think that these corners can run with these wide receivers. Nope. I really do not think that they can run with these wide receivers. So it's critical that the offensive line gives Wilson enough time to allow the wide receivers to get their routes in. And then he just has to deliver a great ball. So LaFleur yeah. and Wilson, now that Wilson is back, Coach LaFleur, what type of offense are you going to run, which is going to allow this Jets offense to move against one of the worst defenses in the National Football League, who, by the way, is coming off of a big victory over the Tennessee Titans. And let's make no mistake about it. They're playing at home now. Houston just scored their first road touchdown last week. They're yep. coming back home now and offensively for the Jets. Wilson, listen, it's as simple as this. You're a first round draft pick. You are the quarterback of the future. You had a chance to get you some reps during the season. You had an injury, which allows you to sit back, go back and kind of self scout yourself. Now we're going to get an opportunity to see, um, see how much better Zach Wilson has gotten from the last time we saw him in the field to this time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I definitely agree. I could definitely see them sending pressure. Um, I think they might start by sending pressure and then look to drop out of it maybe later in the game when that's what they think might be expecting. And mm -hmm. what you were talking about with finding ways to get in pass protection and take your deep shots leads me perfectly into my next point. And that is that Lovey Smith at the end of the day, at some point in this game, one way or another, whether it's from one formation or a different one, he's going to call Tampa two. Mm -hmm. And he's probably going to call it on a second and short mm -hmm. or a first and 10, some sort of start the drive, start the play, start the series uh, situation. And if you're going to run Tampa too, especially with the guys that the Texans have at linebacker right now in standard Tampa twos, if it's going to be from a nickel set, one of those inside linebackers is going to have to carry the deep middle. Mm -hmm. That's the whole re responsibility of Tampa two. That's his job. Mm -hmm. So put Elijah Moore in the near slot and send him straight up across that linebacker's face and say, you want to run Tampa two. We're going to get into a three by one. We're going to put Corey Davis on the outside, Keelan Cole on the inside slot, Elijah Moore in the near slot and whoever else you want on the other end, whether Denzel Mims is playing or you swap Crowder and Cole and have Cole on the other outside, you get into a four receiver set. You put Elijah Moore as close to the line as, uh, to the, to the ball as you can, you get him isolated on that linebacker in Tampa two, and you send him straight up the field and you say, Zach Wilson, throw it deep, split the safety because that I Neville Hewitt 
is the Texans starting middle linebacker. He was a Jets player a few years ago. I think just last year, he was the mm-hmm. Jets middle linebacker and he played respectively under Adam Gase as a run stuffer, but he was atrocious in coverage. He was a absolute liability as a player in coverage. And so if you're expecting him to keep up down the field with Elijah Moore and a 30, you're at your own 35, you're at your own 40, you got X amount of yards of space left. And you know, Zach Wilson can take that thing down the field. I put Elijah Moore in a situation to get isolated on a linebacker and tell him, go burn him, just Mm -hmm. punish him, punish this Tampa too, because you're right. I don't think these, these DBs or these linebackers or anybody on this defense outside of Justin Reed can keep up with these skill players. I think the Jets have the advantage from a talent perspective on offense against this defense, let alone the miscommunication and the other mistakes that this defense makes that for being a poor defense. It's not always just who's the better talent. There's mental aspects that go into it. And the Texans have made a handful of mental mistakes as well. I think you can exploit them. And I think if there's a guy that can do it, it's Elijah Moore. And I think Zach Wilson has, if there's one thing that he learned, I would hope that it's find the check down and take what the defense has given me more often than not. And if there's another thing that I could put as the number two, it's Elijah Moore is your number one receiver. He's the guy you look for first, first and foremost, don't be locking in on Corey Davis. Like you were the first couple of weeks. Don't have this Mm -hmm. utmost trust in Corey Davis that he's going to beat whoever he goes out against. Cause I think you might be onto something with Corey Davis. I don't I'm not so sure myself that he's the, the go-to number one receiver uh, that he's being paid. Like he is, I think Elijah Moore is already though. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the guy that he needs to feature. I think you can design some plays for him to take advantage of a Tampa two shell because eventually lovey Smith is going to call it. It's in his DNA. You know, Mm -hmm. it's going to happen. It's the one thing that I can say for certain that the Texans are going to do defensively is at some point in that game, they are going to call Tampa two and that the jets will have an opportunity to exploit it. Yeah, no, listen, I, I agree with you. Um, when it comes to Corey Davis and I like putting Elijah Moore in the slot because yes, you can, you know, you're putting that speed, you know, his speed up against that middle linebacker speed. Yeah. Good luck. Me personally, I prefer to put the taller wide receiver in the slot versus that Tampa two simply because you can throw it over top of the linebacker's head. And I trust Corey Davis to go up and make a play as a taller player than I do more. I think you put Davis in the slot, you put Jameson Crowder, and you put more on the outside, and you let those guys go to work out there as, as far as the – you see Buffalo do it all the time. They run Stephon Diggs, they line mm-hmm. him up all the way out yep. wide, wide, and he runs a four to six yards shallow cross where he's catching the ball – in front of the linebackers and forcing those guys to come up and make tackles. I think that that is the game plan. I really think that that has to be the game plan. Listen, if you have a ball where you want to take a shot deep, you go ahead and you take your shot, your shots deep. But I think on both sides of the ball, both offenses, I should say, this, this game is going to come down to the efficiency of the quarterback and the patience of the quarterback and the play callers of both teams to say, hey, I'm going to take this four-yard check down. I'm going to take this six yard shallow cross. I'm going to take this 12 yard curl. Be okay with those things right there. Get yourself in the red zone. And then you have an opportunity. I I think that Tevin Coleman can be huge in this game Um, as well. He can be huge in this game because he is the power. And I said that last week, 
He's the yeah. force on the offensive side of the ball. And if you look at the Texans defense, yes, they do rally to the ball, but you can run the ball on this team. Yeah. And so Ty's going to have to step up. Um, Coleman is going to have to step up and provide. And hey, listen, I would love to see Coleman and Ty in the game at the same time. Agreed. I would love to see them in the game at the same time. And if you want to put Corey Davis on the bench, now you can go with Elijah Moore. You can go with Jamison Crowder as your wide receivers. You can max protect that. And then you can allow these guys to take your shots down the field, knowing that there's only one person in the secondary that can run with either one of these wide receivers. If you want to take your shots downfield, allow those wide receivers to go downfield, max protect with your backs. And then if they don't blitz, allow your backs to leak out. That's going to open up things between the safeties and the linebackers. Hit the check down, force the linebackers to come up. Now you can hit it between the linebackers, force the safeties to come up to, to guard that zone, and now you can hit it over top of the safety. So I'm really interested in LaFleur's game plan this week and how he's going to attack Lovey Smith's defense. But I really think that you have to be prepared to expect pressure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can see it. I definitely agree that when you're aiming for the intermediate shot, when you're just trying to get the touch throw between the over the linebacker, between the safety, Corey Davis is the guy you want because he will have the size to go up and high point it. He'll have the, the, the size to be able to make the tough catch in traffic. And not that I don't think Elijah Moore can do that. Cause quite honestly, I think Elijah Moore can do anything, but mm -hmm. I would trust Corey Davis more with his size and physicality to be able to go up and make that tough catch with potentially a safety or a linebacker closing than I would Elijah Moore. But when I'm looking to score a touchdown, when I'm looking to just, when I'm looking to just score, and I'm looking to do the highlight Pat Mahomes 65 yard bomb that ends in the end zone with the safeties mm -hmm. 10 yards behind him. Elijah Moore's mm -hmm. the guy I want running the ball. And, yeah. and I think that you have to set that up with some underneath, like we talked about early, get the ball out short, supplement your run game, bring the linebackers up, bring the safeties down, because if they're going to be just sitting back deep, you're not going to be able to take as much advantage of it. You got to be able to walk them down first. So I completely with you right there. Um, mm -hmm. Last thing I want to say offensively, and I think that you you led me right into it, Tevin Coleman is the power. And without Michael Carter's ability to create yards for himself, Tevin Coleman or Todd Johnson or somebody is going to have to step it up. Michael Carter's loss cannot be forgotten. This is really, okay. really important to how good this guy was. This guy was the leading scrimmage yards on your offense this was by statistics the best player on your offense and he's not playing that's huge and most importantly is was his ability to create yards for himself he made michael floor look really good sometimes by having a play that should have been a two-yard loss where he breaks out of a tackle squirts through a gap because he's so small and hard to bring down and gains three or four that's huge for an offense and it's very underrated it doesn't get counted on the stat sheet as much of how much that prevents you from getting in third and long and how much that keeps you ahead of the chains. So there's going to need to be some, someone that steps up. I don't know if you saw this yesterday. This isn't completely related, but you mentioned Tevin Coleman and uh, Todd Johnson in the backfield at the same time. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that there was a play against the Miami dolphins where Michael floor put Elijah Moore at fullback and then ran him on a go route from a under center. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Let's yep. put Elijah Moore in the backfield. Let's mm -hmm. do that more. Let's run. Let's let him run some routes on some linebackers from the backfield too. And mm -hmm. If you want to look at quick checkdowns, well, I have Tevin Coleman and Elijah Moore, or Tevin Coleman and Todd Johnson, and Elijah Moore comes around on the orbit motion. 
there's possibilities with the underneath game with all these guys. And I think the more you have them on the field together and the more ways you mix and match them together, the more opportunities you're going to discover. So I would look to feature the guys in your backfield more. And that includes Elijah Moore. Yeah, no, I listen, I like that. I don't want to see anything that looks like a college offense. Oh, I no, see, I don't. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Like, I don't want to see any jet sweeps. I don't want to see any of those. Really? I know I, because the way Houston played, the way they played Tennessee, they played close to the line. Mm-hmm. And so when you have when, when you have a defense that pretty much everybody is 10 yards and in, Mm-hmm. And they're and you're running jet sweeps and you're and you're looking for plays that are getting to the outside. Those support players who the guys who are supporting the runs, they're going to get there a lot faster simply because they're a lot closer to the line of scrimmage. And you said right. it yourself, you know, Tennessee, they're going to walk those two backers mm-hmm. up in a gap. They're going to play close to the line of scrimmage. And I think that you play right into the hands of the defense when you try to run a bunch of sideways running plays. I also think that when you put Elijah Moore on that jet sweep. I think that that especially if you're faking it to him and then you're passing the ball, I think you're actually helping the defense because you're taking one of your fastest, um, uh, your better route runner, and you're putting him in a position that all he is is a check down. Mm-hmm. Now right. as a defense, we can sit back, throw that check down, and we can rally to the ball. I love the idea of putting him in the backfield and then having him run routes out of the backfield. The only problem with that is if they bring pressure, he now becomes the hot route. Now that becomes predictable. Right. I would like to see him put him in the backfield and then motion him out to get the defense to kind of move, make mm-hmm. some adjustments and things of that nature. I would definitely love to see that. But I, I listen, take the tight end out the game. Put yeah. Coleman, put Ty Johnson back there. Go ahead and put whoever you're going to put in the slot. Let's say you put more in the slot. You go ahead and put Crower out wide and you put Davis out wide. I think that that is going to put the pressure on the defense with a tight end on the field. I actually think you're helping out the Texas defense. Yeah. You take that tight end off the field, go for two back set, somebody that, that put it this way. You check the ball down to Coleman, you check the ball down to Ty Johnson. They're going to get you a lot more than any tight end you have is going to get you on a check down. And so if, if, if Houston wants to come and play that Tampa two, if they want to come and they decide to bring pressure, now you have two backs. Let's say you free release everybody. Let's say you free release the backs. I like to check down to my backs more than I like to check down to the tight end. And it gives you faster skill players on the team. I think this Jets offense is faster than the than 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 the Texans defense. I really believe that. So it's going to come down to can we protect Zach Wilson? We can protect Zach Wilson, get the ball into the into the hands of our playmakers. We're going to be able to move the ball. We're definitely going to be able to move the ball. It's yeah. just you just can't turn the ball over. So I I, I love that idea of, of putting him in the backfield, moving him all around the place. Everybody knows that he's 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 the number one now. But the thing is, is now you're bringing back Wilson, who has shown that he wants to get the ball to Davis. During this time that he's been off, in his self scout. He should see that, oh, I should have threw the ball here. Oh, I need to throw the ball here. I can't mm-hmm. focus on Will. I can't focus on Davis. If Wilson, between the time that he this time that he's been off, if he's gotten better at being able to read the defense and just take what the defense gives you, this game can get really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think it can. I wanna I wanna expand on the jet motion thing because mm-hmm. I think that while I 
very much agree with you that if you're going to try and run a jet sweep to a defense that is already coming up and crowding the line, that's not going to necessarily be the recipe for success. Mm -hmm. I want to see it like one or two times a game as Mm -hmm. a distraction to like a screenplay to Tevin Coleman the other way. I want to see it. uh, I don't want that to be the, the main function of the jets offense, but Mm -hmm. it has to be included as a distraction. And especially with the way this offense works, it's part of the playbook. Yes. There's plays in it that are built off of it, that it's just, these are in your script. And if you look Mm -hmm. at what the 49ers do with Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel and Elijah Moore are different players, but their roles for these teams and the offenses that they play that are very similar, it's the same role. Mm -hmm. That's why they drafted Elijah Moore because Mm -hmm. they didn't have anybody on the team that could do everything that Debo could do. And they had all these plays in their offense that were drawn up for Debo. They Mm -hmm. wanted to bring those plays over and they've molded a little bit and had the jets have their own offense. And that's important. But I think it's value as a distraction for scripted chunk plays. It doesn't, not the main part of your offense, not, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to every play have Elijah Moore coming across on the jet sweep or, or the, you know, the college gimmick, you know, read option with the sweep and then the run behind it. I want to see wrinkles and drawn up plays to attack defenses and get players out of alignment. That's mm-hmm. something that I think his value on the jet motion really, really features in. Cause when you get everybody on defense's eyes, looking at him, it's going to make that screen pass the other way that much more open. Cause the backside linebacker can't fill as fast. He's not mm-hmm. looking at the screen. He's not reading the offensive line to see that they're leaking out. He's going to be late in pursuit. It's the little things like that, especially in the run game as well, where if we want to talk about the inside run game, yes, if you're in the passing game, you want Elijah Moore down the field. You mm-hmm. want him to be one of your guys beating the routes on one of these corners. But if I'm running the ball, I don't want him blocking. Yeah. So I would rather have him come across and run behind on an orbit motion and then run a power in front of it and fake the screen to him out in the flat. That mm-hmm. way you're not taking away an option in a pass game because you're running the ball anyway. Mm-hmm. And you're again making that linebacker have to shift his eyes over stare at Elijah Moore on the orbit motion to see if he's going to get the ball on the pitch. That's going to make him late to the power the other way. Mm-hmm. We've seen the jets offense do this. They've done it all season. I mm-hmm. want to see it specifically to attack this defense, mm-hmm. because I think, especially like we talked about early, which was the inside run game. You need mm-hmm. to establish some power. You need to do it in a handful of different ways. You got to get an identity be the tougher team on the interior. If the jets can't be the tougher team up front on offense, they're not going to win. So if you're going to do that, sometimes you got to do it to be, and being a little crafty. And I think they have the offensive line to do it with power. Quite honestly, I think Barrett Tucker's really rounding a corner right now and Mm -hmm. playing some really, really good football. I think you can get behind him and get some good yards. I think George Fant's playing well. I'm, I want to see this offense use its playmakers in as many ways as possible, whether that be getting them the ball or using them as distractions when they don't have the ball. Elijah Moore is so valuable to this offense. It's there's so many ways that he affects a team and he affects an offense. When you have a true go-to number one receiver, Mm -hmm. that's what he is. And we need to be cognizant that that's what he is. When you have a dangerous receiving threat that the entire defense is going to be keying on, Mm -hmm. you have to find as many ways to build off of that 
as mm-hmm. possible while still getting him his touches. Yeah. And so if yeah. that means running him on an orbit and helping out your run game and, or running a sweep and running a pitch the other way, we've seen the jets do their under center pitches mm-hmm. and you or you run the reverse and it's the double pass and you do it once a game or mm-hmm. twice a game. And that's your chunk play and it gets 25 yards. Well, maybe you don't get a first down on that drive without that chunk play. Mm-hmm. You don't, it's, those are important. And there are things you put on tape for the future that you can build off plays against other teams in the future where you can mm-hmm. run the pitch, the, the fake sweep with the pitch. And a team is going to see that and go, Oh, we got to hang out backside because the fake pitch is going to be coming. Then you actually run the pitch. And mm-hmm. then the defense backside is again, late. There's, there's so many ways to exploit a defense in the modern NFL with motions and with play design. And when you have a talented group of skill players, it makes it that much easier. I just want to see it more. And I think this is the game to do it, especially with your young quarterback scheme him up some ways to get some free yards. Don't just put this all on Zach Wilson, even though we want to see him take what's there, take the easy yards, make the right decision. Absolutely. I'm all there for that, but let's give the kids some easy throws too. Let's give Mm -hmm. him some, let's help him out. Like we helped out Mike white. Let's help him out. Like we helped out Joe Flacco. Let's not Mm -hmm. go back to the Zach Wilson. You're talented. You can do it. You know, go be a hero show. Let's let's help our young quarterback, especially with our offensive coordinator that seems to know what he's doing now. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And I, I think that when you have Flacco in the game, and I think I brought this point up last week where you're able to do more as a coordinator because you have a yeah. veteran. You definitely have a veteran back there. And it goes back to your first point about the run game offensively. All of those other gadget plays are based on your ability to run the ball. You got to get the defense saying, hey, everybody get to the ball. Everybody get to the ball. Running misdirection and jet sweeps against a zone team that's playing close to the line of scrimmage, um, it it gives you chances of those plays being successful go down significantly. Now, if you're playing against man-to-man teams where you could run the motion, now you have all these different moving parts. The man who's checking the guy in motion gets caught up in a wash, all these different things then you can catch guys off balance. I don't think that this Houston Texans defensive line is good at all. I don't think that they're good at all. There's nobody up there that really scares me. Actually, within their front seven, there yeah, is nobody. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I think yes. that if you want to win this game offensively, you have Tevin Coleman. You run the style of offense that you ran uh, when he was with the San Francisco 49ers. And if you're going to have a tight end in the game, and you're going to have a fullback in the game, then I think that the game plan is rely on on, on Coleman, rely yeah. on Ty Johnson, force them. Because listen, when you're playing against cover two teams, the way you, they always say, you have yeah. check with me, you have a run check a pass. If they come out and you see cover two, you run the ball. If they drop yeah. down, single high safety, you pass the ball. You Like you said it, there's going to come a time that Lovey is going to run the Tampa two. Yep. He is a too high defensive coordinator. You have to have a run game that's going to attack that defense. And if ever there was a game that offensively you can impose your will, we don't yeah. know how long Carter's going to be out, but it's, it seems like for the next few weeks, it's going to be Tevin Coleman. It's going to be Ty Johnson. You have to establish your power run game. Your power run game gets everybody coming down the hill faster, which opens up the shots, which opens up the holes in between the safeties and the linebacker even more. So, just finishing up the offense. Yes, get the running game going. You have first to get and foremost. First and foremost, yeah. you get the run game going. Secondly, yeah. you have to hold on to the ball. 
You cannot turn the ball over against a team that's in the top 10 in takeaways who won their last game simply because they took the ball away. And then lastly, playmakers got to make plays. And I said it, and I'm going to continue to say it. Somehow, Corey Davis has to be that guy that that defenses come into and game plan for. If he's a guy that you can basically say, hey, you you got him. You just take him, and you're able to, to focus all of your – the rest yeah. of your defense on, on bracketing Crowder, on bracketing or double teaming more, that's going to make for a hard day, which goes back to your first point in this game. I really do pass the turnovers. The most important thing that we can do as a Jets offense is establish that power run game. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. That's the number one point. If the Jets do not get the ball going inside, when however many of ways they want to do it, if they mm-hmm. cannot win in the trenches offensively, they're not going to win the game. That that yeah. I think is the most important part. That and the turnover battle. I think are the two most important parts of this game. And when you have two teams that are bad winning in the trenches and the turnover battles, that's what wins you most games in the NFL anywhere. That's Mm -hmm. not a, this isn't a crazy recipe. You know, we're not, we're not coming out here with this, this amazing crack the code game plan of beating the Texans. This is just simple football. This is go be the better team. This Mm -hmm. is, you have the talent in very crucial areas being your offensive line against their defensive line and your skill talent against their secondary, you can go be the better team. There's Mm -hmm. not many weeks. The jets are the better team from a talent perspective and let alone with the other mistakes and issues they have, you know, that makes it even harder. This is a week that things are kind of equal. Both of these teams are two and eight right now. Their, their record is tied. You know, this is, let's be real about what this is. Yes. It's in Houston. And I think that is going to play a factor, but this is a winnable matchup offensively. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that is, that is the main takeaway. So yeah, wrap it up for me. That's it. It's get the ball going inside, avoid turnovers. Don't, don't make Zach Mike white, but help Zach in the same way you would help Mike white and hope that Zach learned to take what the defense has given him. Cause in a zone heavy scheme, there's going to be some opportunities underneath. I think that's it offensively. I don't know if you have anything else to add, but I think we're ready to get to the defense. Yeah, no, I'm I'm good offensively. Um, when I think about the defense, and you know, we talk about these numbers. Defensively, both these teams are in the bottom five. When you talk about just the worst defenses across the board versus the pass versus the run points yep. per game, yeah, things of that nature. Um, when you look at the Jets' offense, just as the Texans had one area that they were in the top 10, top 15, which was takeaways. Points per game, the Jets are ninth. And maybe I need to go back and check my stats again. But as I was looking, you know, I always start at the bottom because I expect the Jets. The Jets' defense is ninth in points per game? Offense. Offense. Oh, the Jets' offense. Okay, yes. Okay, I was about to say yes. yes. And as you're looking at at, at the Texans' defense and then you look look one each team has one area that they're in the top 10. Yeah, the Jets' offense actually since week eight in terms mm-hmm. of yards per game is the number one offense in the NFL. And see that, and, and that's why when as we talk about from a defensive standpoint, you cannot let this be Houston's breakout game. No, you cannot allow this to be Houston's breakout game. You're coming into a situation where Zach Wilson is coming back, and what better situation to have a rookie quarterback coming back from injury? 
playing against a defense that is one of the worst defenses in the yeah. National Football League. So from a, a defense, defensive line. Yes, with a, you know, I mean, come on now. This, this is a game that from an offensive standpoint, when we talk about the identity, this is a perfect week yeah. to try to establish what your identity is. So when I'm thinking about the defense, first and foremost, my number one thing is this cannot be a breakout game for Houston. And just as on the offensive side of the ball, your first point was, hey, get Coleman going, get that run game going. You cannot allow the Texans to allow David Johnson to get rolling. Let's remember, David Johnson is a hell of a back. He's a big back. He's going to be a problem out of the backfield. He's a guy that's shown that he can play and belongs in the National Football League. So defensively, you cannot allow this Texans offense to start running the ball. You can't allow it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think that's definitely the number one thing that they have to do defensively is prevent the, the Texans from being able to just ground them out. Like if, if if they can just win on the ground against this defensive line, and quite honestly, I'm not scared of anybody on that Texans offensive line. There's no. not, there's no one that they have that I'm sitting here going, oh, that's going to be a, a bad matchup for whoever's going to be starting on the Jets. If Quinn mm-hmm. again, like I said last week, if Quinn and Williams can't can't win, and he did win against Miami, he won a handful of times. Mm-hmm. There was a handful of times he won handily, <laughs> but if he can't do that again. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm fully expecting him to be able to do that again. I'm, mm-hmm. I'll be honest with you, Lamont. I'm not worried about this run game. I'm not as scared of David Johnson as you are. I think he is a talented player for sure. And I think that when he was with the Arizona Cardinals, he was incredibly, incredibly talented. Mm-hmm. But he's to me right now, he lacks the explosion and the ability to create for himself behind a bad offensive line where if you can give him a little bit of space to get going he can punish you he can he can get up to speed he can be big and strong and run through tackles and he's going to be a load to bring down he's got to get the space first Mm -hmm. if he's got to be the guy that's going to stop and start and make a cut and get out and and find yards through a tight traffic i don't know if he was that guy the texans cut the guy they had that was like that and that was philip Lindsay. Mm -hmm. they had their explosive guy they had their get you out of trouble guy i don't mm-hmm. know why they cut philip Lindsay, and the the dolphins i'm pretty sure picked him up off waivers it's a damn good signing by the dolphins yeah i yeah. quite honestly I, I think that was a really boneheaded decision by the texans and if i there's some reason that i don't know about that i would love to find out but based mm-hmm. on the information i have that he was just an in-season cut why because now your running backs are david johnson and rex burkhead okay okay Okay. So run the ball. So, so run the ball, try it against this defensive line with your offensive line. Yeah, I agree. You got to be able to stop the, stop the run, but Mm -hmm. I'm not worried about doing that. I'm not worried about stopping their run game in the traditional sense. I'm Mm -hmm. worried about stopping Tyrod Taylor because I think his legs can be the more dangerous factor in the run game than anything else. So while I agree that we need to stop the run, and that the defensive line is going to need to win their matchups on the interior. Mm-hmm. I think they have the advantage. I think they, they will be able to do that. And I'm not so worried about the running backs on the Texans to where, even if the defensive line misses a gap, they're not going to have the guys that are going to have the pure explosion to exploit it the way that Philip Lindsay would. I'm not yeah. worried about Rex Burkhead beating me for 60 yards down the field. Mm-hmm. David Johnson, if you give him a big enough gap, maybe, but I still think that this defense can rally. I'm not so sure that he has that elite speed. I'm not so sure that he ever did. 
he was more of a, I'm going to run through a bunch of tackles and be really hard to bring down his best runs throughout his career are him looking like Marshawn Lynch. He's Mm -hmm. not looking, you know, he's not just complete clean speed. I'm not so worried. So my first point defensively is I am having Quincy Williams spy Tyrod Taylor because Mm -hmm. in the passing game with this defensive line, if they cannot bring Tyrod down, he has the ability to get out and be a serious threat with his legs. He scored two rushing touchdowns on broken plays against the Tennessee Titans, where it was not a design run. They were not featuring him and the run game. It was pass plays and the Mm -hmm. offensive line got smoked by Mm -hmm. their, by the Tennessee Titans pass rush and Tyrod Mm -hmm. Taylor being a veteran quarterback with a lot of athletic talent, who I think is better than he gets credit for avoided pressure rolled out and ran for touchdowns of, I believe, 14 and 19 yards. You can't let that happen. Yes. That's backbreaking for a defense. Yes. That, those are the plays. That's how you lose this game. If Tyrod Taylor can convert broken plays into touchdowns, that's mm-hmm. how you lose. That's why I think you have a guy like Quincy Williams, who, for as talented as he is athletically and has as good of a hitter, and when he sees it, correctly and he reads a play right and diagnoses and triggers it's gorgeous to watch but in coverage he can be a little bit late to diagnose he can be a little caught out of position i'm not going to let a veteran quarterback like tyrod exploit him in coverage Mm -hmm. i would rather have him have his sole role be you spy tyrod you follow him sideline to sideline that's also going to allow your defensive line to not have to worry so much about contain because you Mm -hmm. have to get pressure you can't let tyrod sit in the pocket all day and let Brandon cooks and Chris Conley and whoever else get around down the field because mm-hmm. this jets defense in the back end is not that good. And they're starting a, an undrafted free agent corner at boundary for the second game in a row. And Isaiah Dunn, mm-hmm. you can't let Tyrod Taylor pick on Isaiah Dunn the way that Tua a did the week before. Yeah. Yeah. So I want this defensive line to get home. Mm-hmm. I think they need to play contain somewhat. I'm not saying just abandon contain entirely, but mm-hmm. I want them trying to get sacks. I don't want my defensive ends playing contain on every play. I want Quincy Williams guarding Tyrod and I want him spying that way. If he goes out to the sides or he tries to come up from the pocket, you got a linebacker with plenty of speed and athleticism to be able to track him down where you're not going to be worried about, you know, so sometimes it's like you put a spy on a quarterback, but the guy you put on as a spy is a 310 pound defensive tackle. And it's like, Oh, okay. So what's the point of that? When the quarterback is that you're spying that, you know, you have to spy can outrun him anyway. Yeah, that's great. Thanks. That's that, that, that did you a whole lot of good spying that defensive tackle. I want to spy somebody with enough speed to track Tyrod down. So that's why I think it's Quincy Williams and Jeff Ulbrich, the defense coordinator said something really interesting today. I think the jets are going to move their defense around this week, a little more than they have in the past because they did it a little bit against Miami. Bryce hall traveled uh, on Jalen Waddle a little bit, um, which was the first time they had done that this week. And he had mentioned Jeff Ulbrich again had mentioned going against Brandon cooks. They had mentioned Bryce hall with the, uh, his option to line up. They think he could be a good matchup. They trust him, whether he could be moving more or less than he was before. They're not ruling it out. And he specifically mentioned Javelin Gidry being a matchup for Javelin or for Brandon cooks, which that to me makes me think that they like specifically Ulbrich said that Gidry and cooks in terms of athleticism and body shape are basically clones mm-hmm. of each other. And he's right. They're about mm-hmm. 5'10", incredibly fast, stocky kind of build, you know, get down the field. They got a ton of speed. He's right. So I'm interested to see 
how they change their defense because I don't Gidry has been a backup. Michael Carter, the second has been the starting slot corner mm-hmm. and they haven't moved Bryce Hall or Brandon Eccles or anybody else into the slot, whether it's anybody else in the slot other than Carter has been Gidry. So mm-hmm. what are they going to do in the back end? That's going to be different to try and change things up to get better matchups. It's going to be interesting to see, because I think you're going to have some changes defensively where you might see some, some nickel looks where, you have four corners and one of the corners is a safety mm-hmm. or you, you change up some personnel every now and again, maybe Javelin Gidry plays dime linebacker, which he did mm-hmm. in the preseason. Uh, there could be a bunch of different schematical changes here. And so if that's the case, let's not overcomplicate that for Quincy Williams. Let's just let him spy Tyrod. And that, I think mm-hmm. that helps your defense in every facet. I think it helps your defensive line be able to generate more pressure and not have to worry about containing as much. I think it helps Quincy know his assignment and be able to just see things and trigger and not have to worry about getting caught up in a potentially new defense. And I mm-hmm. think it's going to help your back end because you're going to have somebody to chase Tyrod down and come head at him when he's trying to get around mm-hmm. to the edge and escape on broken plays. I agree with you that you have to stop the run. Mm-hmm. That is That is important. Uh, I'm not trying to understate that whatsoever, but I'm more scared of Tyrod Taylor's legs than I am of David Johnson's in a traditional sense. And that brings me to my second defensive point is you have to be able to contain Tyrod Taylor with your down four. Like there, everybody has a lane responsibility. If, if it's your job to keep outside contained, but still get to the quarterback, you have to be able to do that while keeping Tyrod Taylor in the pocket. Now, listen, Tyrod Taylor's legs are dangerous, but let's be honest, he's not Lamar Jackson. He, he, he's Mahomes. He's not one of those guys. He is a guy that can beat you, you know, with his feet, but he's a guy that you should be able to keep him in the pocket, be disciplined in your rush lanes, um, and, and force him to throw from the pocket. That's going to be my point is you have to be able to contain Tyrod Taylor with your down four and force him to throw from the pocket. If you can force him to throw from the pocket and you can contain him with those down four and the the down four can actually get to him, I think that's a way that you're going to be able to generate some turnovers. You're going to be able to generate some sacks, um, which when you look at this Jets team, if there is one area that we haven't talked about and we haven't really talked about it a lot, and this is our our third episode, something I think is going to be critical the Jets special teams, when you talk about kickoff return and punt return yards, they're at the tops of the end of the National Football yeah. League. Again, Brand Boyer is an so, excellent coach. Yes. And so when you're talking about two bad teams, two defenses that allow teams to move the ball, yeah. two offenses that that quite frankly, in my opinion, are still struggling trying to find their identity. Definitely. The difference between winning and losing could very well come down to special teams. Field position. Do you have a punter that can shift field position? And do you have returners that can shift field position? And that's something that the Jets have. So being able to contain Tyrod Taylor with your down four, and we're talking about not just containing him, but we're talking about you got to hit Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, You have to hit him and you have to force him to roll left. Just as you will with most running with most right-handed quarterbacks, but there is a significant difference when he's rolling right opposed to when he's rolling left. To me, when he rolls left, he's rolling left to buy time to look for a run lane. Whereas when he's rolling right, he's buying time. He's more comfortable, as most right-handed quarterbacks are, rolling right, allowing Cooks, allowing Connolly 
to, yeah. to, to find that softness in the zone, extend the play a little bit longer. So, yes, and I do agree with spying on him. The problem with spying majority of the time is you become very predictable as a defense. And you can go yes. in at halftime, you can make a True. halftime adjustment that can come out and completely destroy, can de- completely uh, um, exploit that that the person that you have spying. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I like the idea of having multiple faster guys on the field. But once again, it goes back to my first point. If I play a nickel and Houston comes out there and they play in their regular where they have a fullback, the tight end, and the halfback, and you have a nickel out there, we're going to run the mm-hmm. ball down the throat. Oh, I so, agree. Yeah, you're going that to run I agree. Ball. You got to match personnel. Yeah. You have to definitely, yeah, you definitely have to match personnel. But to my second point, this front four of the Jets' defensive line they have to be dominant in this game. I really yep. think that this game is going to be won or lost based on the play of the defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, the trenches will decide this game in both facets. If mm-hmm. the Jets can hold up in pass protection, whether the Texans blitz or try and do some, some blitz sim pressures or whatever it is they try and do, or the inside run game, if that can get going, that's going to help. If the mm-hmm. defensive line can win and prevent the running game from going for the Texans. And if the Texans are going to come out and they're going to be that run heavy, then yeah, you match your personnel. You mm-hmm. you sit there and you go, yeah, let's get in our base four, three, let's drop our strong safety down. Let's put eight in the box. You know, let's they're going to sit there and they're going to have their full back in and all of that. I'll match my personnel and I'll sit there and do what I do. But if it's going to be second and seven and they're going to go 11 personnel mm-hmm. run out of 11 against mm-hmm. this front four, mm-hmm. yeah. go ahead, try it. Try running against Quinn Williams out of 11. Mm-hmm. You, you, I'm not worried about that. That's where I back up. And those situations, I'm more worried about Tyrod Taylor than yes. I am worried about David Johnson or Rex Burkhead mm-hmm. getting me in the ground game. If they're going to come out and make it obvious and hold up a giant red flag that says we're running the ball inside and get into a 21 personnel or a 22 personnel set, then yeah by all means, then go out and match, get into your traditional. But I'm not worried about the 11 personnel run game. I'm not worried so much about the shotgun run game, more so than I am about Tyrod Taylor. And the one counterpoint I want to give you, because I agree that you want to have integrity in your rush lanes, always. The Minnesota Vikings as a defense do that better than anybody else, where you will never see one of their four guys going to the same spot. They will mm-hmm. give each of them. It's like different layers of like a lasagna. They're going to go to a different spot in the pocket. They're they're really good at that. The Jets have not been good at that because they're more aggressive. They're trying to get downhill and get pressure. The Vikings are very disciplined in knowing that they are going to rush to a spot and they have a certain gap and contain lane. It's a different style of defense. And against mobile quarterbacks, that's how you contain them is that you take away their multiple angles of escape. You want to see the defensive line do that. But I think Tyrod Taylor's faster than Shaq Lawson. I think Tyrod Taylor's faster than John Franklin Myers. I don't know if even if they are containing, like you just saw against the Tennessee Titans, if that's going to matter. Because sometimes the Jimmys and the Joes are better than the X's and the O's. And Tyrod Taylor, when he was rolling to his left, when the Titans ran a stunt to try and get contained and get to the edge and get outside, and he just makes the stunt miss and outruns him to the corner and scores. I'm yeah, worried yeah. about that. I'm yeah, worried yeah. that if, and yeah, because I know stunting, that's going to cause problems. You're going to get people out of gaps. You're going to get issues there. But the Jets run stunts too. And the mm-hmm. Jets twist guys too. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm worried that, 
it's got to be a huge game from Quinn and Williams. Because if your defensive ends are containing, the guys that you have at defensive end right now are not the most explosive guys in the field. So if they're mm-hmm. going to be containing a guy like Tyrod, and I agree, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's by no mm-hmm. means anything close to Lamar Jackson. But he can be a threat. And he might be faster than our defensive ends, which I don't think is unreasonable to say. So mm-hmm. if that's going to be the case, they're going to have to be a lot more cognizant in their contain to not get beat because they don't have the ability to recover as fast. Mm-hmm. If Clark Williams can't dominate, you got to have someone spy because Tyrod will find lanes and he will outrun the contain of the corner. And if he is rolling right, that's when your defense is going to break down. That's when you're going to have plays come open. Brandon cooks is going to be able to settle in zones. I'm quite honestly looking at everything as a whole. This is my number one worry on defense for the jets is stopping Tyrod Taylor. I think he is the most important player on this offense to stop. And -hmm. that's not just in the run game. I'm saying taking away, you know, having being good in your pass coverage, not getting caught out of position as veteran quarterback, all the different things that make him a tough defensive matchup for the jets. I think he's the number one guy. You got to stop. We talked last week. We said, who are the two guys on the dolphins offense that we have to stop? It was Mike Gusecki and Jalen Waddle. I think the two guys this week are Tyrod Taylor and Brandon cooks. Yes. Yes. Oh, I would, I would say this. I I would agree with you on Tyrod Taylor, but I think Connolly. I think, I think, I think that Tyrod Taylor is more comfortable with Connolly. Um, and just as an overall receiver, I mean, first of all, Connolly is bigger than Cooks. Yep. Um, and from what I see where they are in their careers right now, I'll take Connolly as a person that you have to stop over Cooks. Um, to your point of what what Tyrod Taylor was able to do against Tennessee, when a quarterback breaks contain and you're playing a zone defense, a quarterback yep. is more likely going to keep his eyes down the field and wait for his wide receivers to come into the zone. Whereas the Tennessee Titans, they play a lot of man-to-man. When a quarterback breaks contain versus man-to-man, and you watch Aaron Rodgers do this his entire career, he recognizes man-to-man, he sends the crossing routes, everything clears out, a lane opens up, and then he hits it because that's versus man-to-man. I'm hoping that we don't play a lot of man-to-man because then Tyrod Taylor is definitely going to become a problem if you're not in your rush lanes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talk about the, the 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 young guys that we have playing on the back end. That was yeah. going to be where I was going to go. Is you're yeah, going to be you know. worried about playing zone because Isaiah Dunn was not good playing zone last week and got caught out of mis- out of positions in some of their most basic coverages a handful yeah. of times. Some of the Dolphins' biggest plays came with Isaiah Dunn getting caught out of position and that was zone coverage. And that's what I'm more, I'm worried about with Tyrod too, is he's a vet. He's going to see that. You, if yeah. Tua can exploit this defense, Tyrod Taylor is going to see that. Like that's, yeah, but, that's, I would, that's but I will say this, I will say this, this is where as a pro, how you get better from one week to the next week comes yeah. into place so for Dunn. Listen, you had your week. All right. Mm-hmm. You made these mistakes. You came back in. The coaches got you coached up on where you went wrong. You know that the team that you're facing this week is going to see what you just did last week. And they're going to try to exploit that as a pro. You just have to be better. If I'm playing yeah. running back and, and I show a defense that I can't pick up a, a blitzer, guess what that defense is going to do. They're going to blitz every yep. time because I've shown that. And so the same thing applies for the secondary, you know, yeah. yes, you as a coach, if you're going to put the player out there, and they've had a week and you've had a week to kind of make the necessary corrections, you can't be afraid to run what you just corrected them on. 
Yeah. Because oh, now, it, now it comes down to done. Either you've gotten better or you be on the bench and then we'll give another guy, we'll give another guy an opportunity. So to your point of making sure that, you know, first of all, containing Tyrod Taylor is, is, is first and foremost. Um, to your point of spreading things out, I'm really concerned about David Johnson if you spread things out. Because one thing that I saw that hurt the Jets last week was poor tackling. Yeah. It was poor tackling. Yeah. You spread things out, and I'm speaking from a big back's perspective. You spread things out mm -hmm. for a big back. You don't have those linebackers. It gives me a little more time to make you, – you spoke on it. You're not worried about him making that cut and then yeah. hitting the – well, when you spread things out as a back. You got more room. Now I have more room. Now once I get to that second level against guys have, who have shown that they struggle with tackling just like they did last week, that's something that you really have to worry about. And I'm just telling you right now, you're worried about Tyrod Taylor. That's your number one. Getting the run game going, stopping the run game of Houston, that's my number one. If you spread things out and you allow Houston to get those inside zones and run the ball with Johnson, now you've just added the read option to the to the equation, which is going to make right. Tyrod Taylor a bigger problem. That's why I'm like, hey, we got to stop the run. You already said we have to stop Tyrod Taylor. Um, to my next point, somehow we got to generate turnovers. We absolutely have to generate some turnovers. If you're in, if you're dead last, or if you're at the bottom of the bunch and generating turnovers, somewhere along the line, you have to you have to generate turnovers. And if you want to win this game, playing against a defense who generates turnovers themselves, then you as the Jets, you somehow have to generate some turnovers. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That was actually my last point as well. Was take some risks in coverage. Was see if you can if you can call up scheme up some trap calls. See if mm -hmm. you can find if you're gonna be more comfortable moving Bryce Hall around now, as Jeff Ulbrich said uh, yesterday in his press conference, or that he talked about. They said part of the reason they did that is that Isaiah Dunn has practiced as the number three and number four corner, so he's played on both sides, and so mm -hmm. they felt more comfortable moving Bryce Hall because they knew that they could move Dunn as well, mm -hmm. and you know vice versa. So if you're gonna do that more, if you're gonna shift up your coverage a little bit and not even talking about personnel, taking personnel completely out of the equation, just the coverages themselves. If you're going to be putting a little more on the plates of these DBs, let's try and scheme up some trap calls. Let's try and scheme up some coverage calls that will be a little sneaky. And let's see if we can't manufacture some interceptions. Let's see if we can't yeah. get some plays on the ball. Let's be a little more aggressive. Let's try and call. And I know that this is in their coaching tree from the Seattle cover three, et cetera. What the Jaguars did when they had Jalen Ramsey in his prime is they would basically play cover three, but Jalen Ramsey would play man to man on whoever the number one receiver was and everybody else would be playing cover three. So mm -hmm. if it was a number one isolated uh, to the boundary and you had three by one on the other side, you would have Jalen Ramsey on the number one playing man coverage in a med call. And you would have everybody else in cover three standard. Bouye would be playing a deep third, um, et cetera, et cetera. Let's do some of that with Bryce Hall. Let's, let's trust Bryce Hall to be this number one corner that we all think he is because his numbers, his ball production is not there because teams aren't throwing at him. He's just blanketing everybody. 
he's not getting the opportunities to make plays in coverage because he's not getting targeted nearly as often because he's covering people so well on a snap to snap to basis. So mm-hmm. let's get him in man. Let's give him an opportunity on the backside of a play to go take a risk. Let's go see if you can jump an out route. Let's mm-hmm. show like you're in, in, in your deep third and you're going to continue dropping and the corner is going to buzz out underneath and they're going to call the little out route. And it's going to be wide open, fake it and sit with outside leverage on that out route and take it off. Mm-hmm. Let's give him some opportunities to make some plays in the ball. Cause I think he can do it. And I don't think Bryce Hall, his low interception numbers throughout his career, he's got one in his career and it came last season. I don't think that is due to lack of ball skills. I don't think that is due to lack of awareness. I don't think that he is. I don't think quite honestly, I think the only reason Bryce Hall doesn't get more interceptions is because he covers guys too well on a snap to snap basis that he's not getting targeted enough to get the opportunities. You look at a guy like Trevon Diggs, Trevon Diggs has eight interceptions this year. Trevon Diggs has also given up like most more yards than most other corners in the NFL. Yep. He's gotten a lot of interceptions, but he's given up a lot of yards. It's a risky style of play and teams can throw at him because he gives up a lot of yards. That's why he gets a lot of interceptions. Teams are throwing at him more. Bryce Hall's taking people out of the equation. And I want to see Bryce Hall trusted more to take some risks because we've seen what he can do on a snap to snap basis to just take people out of the game. I want to give him the opportunity to generate some turnovers. And I think that that, like we've talked about, win the game in the trenches and win the turnover margin. This is a defense mm-hmm. in the Texans that can create turnovers. you got to start finding ways to create turnovers yourself. If you're the jets. I agree with you. I agree. Now, now let me ask you this. Who do you put Hall on? I mean, I have, I, I have my, my answer. I just, it depends, I just <laughs> it depends on the situation. And this is why I think he is so important is that he goes on the most dangerous person on that offense based on the situation and based on the personnel. So if they're okay. going to go in a 20 personnel set and they're going to try and be run heavy and they might run a play action and they'll have uh, cooks and, you know, uh, somebody else on the other side, they're trying to think who's not Conley. Who's the other receiver. That's not Conley. Uh, name is blanking. It's cooks Conley. And there's one more, they're number three. His name is I'm blanking on right now. Um, yeah, I, I, I oh, Nico Collins, Nico Collins. Collins. Yeah, That's yeah. who I'm trying to remember. Okay. So say, so he goes in there, they're heavier sets because he's a bigger guy. So he can be in the run game. So say they go into a set where you got Brandon cooks and Nico Collins on the field. And those are your two receivers. Bryce Hall's on Brandon cooks. You go into a three by one and you have Conley. Who's the guy they like to scheme up deep shots for, even though Brandon cooks can get down the field and they throw him deep every now and again, too. He'll be the guy that's, you know, sometimes coming on the underneath. And especially recently they've been Tyrod's been throwing deep to Conley. Well, if they're going to go into a set where it's a bunch and Conley's the outside receiver in the bunch, I'm putting Bryce hall on Conley. I'm letting Bryce hall take away the number one target of the offense on any given play. That is his responsibility. And if it, if it works, I don't want it to be too complicated because I don't want to put too much on him. I think that every now and again, you do have to just call your standard coverages, especially if it's a zone coverage, you know, Mm -hmm. that's more about getting guys in the right position and reaction where Mm -hmm. you're not using his cover skills to the exact same way as you would normally, but on some third downs where they're going to try and, and like you saw with the Buffalo bills, let's not let Stefan Diggs get isolated on our number two corner. 
Mm-hmm. Let's not let Brandon Cooks get isolated on Isaiah Dunn. If yes. it's third down, trail him. Good. Follow him. Let's get better matchups for our guys overall. Let's trust Bryce Hall to be this elite corner. I really think that this, the sky's the limit for him. I'll be completely honest. If there's one player on the Jets that I am confident is going to end up in a Pro Bowl at some point in his career that hasn't made one yet, it's Bryce Hall. I, I'm he is a fantastic player. His study habits are fantastic. His dedication to the game is fantastic. His athleticism is fantastic. I think he just needs more opportunities. And it sounds like the Jets are starting to do it. So I'm really excited to see how it works out because it seems like they're they they're changing their philosophy because Bryce Hall is making them do it. Like he's being so good that they're realizing, oh, we have to let him trail. Like we, it, it, it makes sense as a coach. Now we're sitting here Mm -hmm. as coaches going, he's our best player on defense practically half the time. It's him or Quinn and Williams, in my opinion. And Mm -hmm. we have to feature this guy. It's why Quinn and Williams is getting a snap increase. He was only playing 65% of the snaps for the last couple Mm -hmm. of weeks before this, he's up to around 70, 75 now. And I think that's going to continue to get higher. The Jets defense is realizing that what they just went through the last couple of weeks is not working. And with the injuries that they have, they have to let their stars that they do have left shine. You cannot just leave them in the same position and act like you're trying to let your overall talent play better. You have X amount of talent left. You have to let that talent win you as much as you can. And I think that's what, that's what they do defensively is let Bryce Hall do what he does best. Let Bryce Hall trail in key situations and try and manufacture some turnovers. I think this de- this offense has, again, had its own miscues. I think the defensive line can get pressure on this offensive line. I'm not worried about that from the passing game standpoint. And while I might be underrating David Johnson, you are the, the running back, so I'm going to trust you, your opinion more than mine. But I'm, I'm co- more confident in the Jets' defensive line to crush the offensive line anyway to where I think that's going to have a, a big impact and it's going to be hard for David Johnson to get going because the line isn't just going to be there. I think you can exploit this offense. But if Tyrod Taylor gets out of the pocket and beats you with the ground or converts a third and eight by running for 12 or scores a touchdown on uh, uh, in the red zone by getting out and running up the middle and diving for a score. That I think is the Achilles heel that I think is the backbreaker that I think is the thing that no amount of schematics or your team already can stop. When I look at this matchup and I look at the jets defense versus the Texans offense, I look and I say the defensive line is as an advantage against the offensive line. I like the secondary for the most part against the, the corners. I, or I like the secondary against the receivers for the mm-hmm. most part, for the most part, I'm a little worried about Dunn, but I think like you said, he's going to be going to have to be on it because he's going to have the target on his back. Mm-hmm. I'm, I like the matchup overall. I don't like Tyrod Taylor against this defense. And that I think is, can, is what's going to be the worry. So that was why it was my point. Cause mm-hmm. if I'm looking at things objectively, I really think that this could be a game where the jets are either going to play fantastic and they're going to be clearly the better team or Tyrod Taylor is going to do just enough, just a few times. And Levy Smith is going to do just enough, just a few enough times where the Texans are going to be able to win. And um, it's going to come down to that. When you have two bad teams, it can go either way. And it's, that's why I'm quite honestly, that's, that's my ending point is these are two bad teams. There's an easy path to victory 
but that's easier said than done. We'll yeah. see execution is going to be the name of the game. We'll see if they can execute, but I'm, I'm worried about Tyrod. I'm really worried. Now I, I, I will say, I think that both defenses have put it this way. I think when you look at this game, both defenses have the same issue. I think that you have to be able to contain both of these quarterbacks. Yeah. I think if Wilson gets outside the pocket, I think that he could be dangerous yeah. also. Agreed. Um, I think that he and Tyrod are very similar to me in terms yeah, of how yeah, you have I'm, to defend them. Not in terms of just comparing them directly, but how you would defend them. They're very similar. Yeah. And so when I, when I'm looking at this, I mean, I'm sitting here looking at the numbers points per game, the Texans average 15 points a game. The jets are 17.8. I'm just like, oh, come on. Rushing yards per game. Texans are last jets are, are 29th uh, yards per game. Texans are last. Jets are 24th. So when I'm looking at the numbers, I'm saying to myself that from an offensive standpoint, the Jets, the, the Jets should be able to, to have success against this Texans team. Right. It's ultimately going to come down to the Jets' ability to hold on to the ball. Just don't turn the ball over. Yeah. So um I, I think we gave our points. And yeah, absolutely. It surprised me one bit if we look back at this game and if everything stays the same, if we look back at this game and we come to realize that the difference between winning and losing this game was that the Jets' special teams was just significantly better than than Houston's special teams. And um, with that said, yeah, I guess that this sounds like a great to, transition into, uh, yeah, this into your first bet right there. Yeah, this, yeah, this leads us into our picks, which, by the way, we are 4-0. Mm-hmm. Um, undefeated as a show for the first yeah. two episodes. As humble undefeated. brag, humble brag. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, I'm stuck right now, and I know you and I talked before the show. Yeah. Last week, I was looking for a reason to take the Jets. Um, this week, I'm also looking at a reason to take the Jets. Um, I'm stuck. I really want to take the Jets. Put it this way. I have two bets that 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 I'm I'm kind of bouncing between. Yeah. Whoever I take to win, I'm a fan of the alternate point spread or tease, depending on what you're playing. I'm going to take the winner to win by. I'll, I'll take the winner at a minus three and a half, minus four. I think that the winner of this game is going to win this game by by four points or more. I really want to say I think the winner is going to win by more 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 than four points. Um, but when I look at these two teams, when I look at the defenses of these two teams, I'm going to go with my pick that, that we spoke about before. Yeah. I'm going to go with the over three and a half total field goals this game. I think both teams are going to be able to move the ball up and down the field. Um, and <clears throat> I just question both of these teams' ability to get the ball into the end zone. And so I think we'll see a lot. I think we'll see the ball move up and down the field. But I think that this is a game where, where there's going to be a a lot of field goals kick. So I'll take the total at the over three and a half uh, total field goals for the game. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Especially when you got two teams with offenses that we have seen, not always capitalize, especially last week, you saw the jets offense move the ball a ton and get into opportunities to score and couldn't. And either it was missed field goals or fumbles or many multitude of reasons they've been stopped. And Amendola has been kicking lots of field goals recently. And once he gets within 40, he's pretty good. So if the Jets get stopped, it's certainly likely that he'll be able to hit some of those shorter field goals and three and a half is not that many. That's two per team. If each team kicks two field goals, that bet hits. 
that's sitting yeah. at plus 100 right now. And I think it's easy money. I mean, yeah. just something to throw down quick, get a quick on. I'm going to add on top of that. You had mentioned whichever team wins you think is going to win by at least four. You would like to see an, an alternate spread on top of that. Um, I'm going to go similar, but I'm not going to do an alternate spread. I'm going to do the straight up spread. And I am taking the Texans minus two and a half. And the reason I'm taking the Texans minus two and a half is that this game is at Houston. If this game was in New York, I would take the Jets and the points. But the Jets are historically over the last couple of years, and especially this season, awful against the spread on the road. And they are not a road team at all. They have not been a road team at all this season. I'm very worried that that might be a tread that rears its ugly head. And this could be a game where the Texans win by, like you said, oh, you think it could be four or more than four. This could be a game where the Texans win by a whole touchdown. Or this could be a game where they win by 10 points. And, you know, things just go completely wrong. I'm worried about no Michael Carter. I'm really worried about no Michael Carter. And I'm going to repeat that again because uh, Jets fans are trying to, like, be – okay with themselves right now and not completely and totally break down because they're happy that Zach Wilson is back and we all should be, but let's not understate it. Mike losing Michael Carter sucks. Losing Michael Carter sucks. And I hope that he is okay. I would rather him if not that I think the injury is that serious, but if it ends up lingering, I would rather him sit the rest of the season and rest and be healthy for the future and not risk the end of the season on coming back too heavily. There's you're not fighting for a playoff spot. This is your superstar running back of the future. This guy is better already than I thought he would be. He is a legitimate lead number one running back in the NFL. He is an, a dynamic offensive weapon in the off running and passing games. And he can pass block that he is a number one back. Yeah. I don't want to waste him. So if he is hurt and he's not all the way back, shut him down, let him come back next year, but it's going to suck in the meantime, not having him here and the timing of losing him the same week, Zach Wilson comes back and you're on the road. I just, it spells a recipe for not disaster, but let down expectations in, in my eyes. And I can see the Texans winning this game by a field goal. That's a win. Two and a half. If this spread was three and a half, I'd probably take the Jets, to be completely, totally honest. But okay. I can see the Texans winning on a last-second field goal, the fourth field goal of the game to hit your bet, too. And the Texans win by three, and there you go. There you go. 23. I predicted 24-20 Texans as my official score prediction on my other podcast, the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. So if this ends up being a three-point Texans win, that's about what I was expecting anyway. Again, if this game was in New York, I probably would have taken the Jets' money line. And I probably would have just went all for it and said, Jets outright, I think they'll just be able to pull it out at home against a bad team. But home field advantage is going to matter. And Texans fans are going to be juiced after upsetting the Titans. They're going to be in the building. They're going to be, they finally have something to cheer for. Now, conversely, what I'm secretly hedging my bet on is that the Texans being a bad team, like the Jets don't know how to win two games in a row yet. And that they're going to come out completely and totally flat. And the Jets are going to be able to walk into them, their building and steamroll them. In which case I will gladly be wrong that my bet was wrong because we'll be able to come in here and review a win for the first time on believe in the Jets podcast. Yes. Yes. So yes. that would be well, nice. I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent on that. And, and to your point about how crucial uh, Carter is. If Carter was playing in this game, I would take the jets. Over the money. Agreed. hundred thousand percent. If Carter was playing, I would have took the jets money line and had no problem with it. And probably would have taken the jets with your alternate spread plus three or minus three. 
I, I would have yep. I would have yep. tried to make some money if Carter was playing, but yep. but he's not, and that's huge. Now, with that said, Wilson, you were drafted as high yep. as you were drafted for a reason. So yes, we lose Michael Carter, but this is also an opportunity for Wilson to go through this process. Listen, are the Jets going to playoffs? No. Right now, we are playing to allow our young players to get their reps so they can see what they need to work on from week to week and what they need to work on this offseason to have yep. this team in a better position to be successful next year. So this thing is going to be on, it's, 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 it's going to be on Wilson, but um, I like my bet. I'm definitely going to, you know, if I had to pick a winner of this game, I'm going to go with the Texans. So I love your bet of, of, of taking the Texans on the spread. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the safest bets to make this week. And when you got two teams that are bad and unpredictable, you don't want to be throwing crazy bets around and wasting money. So we both got two easy bets. Uh, you know, if you wanted to add these to a parlay, I think these could be great parlay additions. Um, yeah. You had like a five pick parlay. I think these would be great things to throw in there. Uh, not every bet needs to be a big banger. Not every mm -hmm. bet needs to be, you know, the bold plus 1600 on the odds. You know, we were looking at uh, bets before the show. We saw that if neither team kicks a field goal at all, it was plus 1600 on the odds. You know, that would be a crazy bet, but there's yeah. a reason that it's plus 1600 and, <laughs> and you got to remember that. And so I think sometimes, especially when we're looking at bets for the jets, take the easy money, stay yeah. consistent. Even if, yeah. you know, profit is profit and you never go broke taking a profit. So that's yeah. that's how I like to try and live my life, especially when it comes to betting on the NFL, because it's just so unpredictable. Take the easy money when you have it. That's right. That's right. I agree with you. I agree with you, man. Well, I'll tell you what, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, you can catch me on Instagram, Lamont Jordan underscore 34 or on Twitter, Coach Jordan 34. And Drew, you want to leave your handle where the people can contact you? Yeah, absolutely. Catch me on Twitter at Andrew Golden underscore 17. And you can also add the socials for the show is at Believe in Jets podcast on Twitter. And if you want to check out my other show on Jets X Factor, it is the Oklahoma Drill podcast or at OKD podcast on Twitter as well. Lamont, awesome time having you here again. Everybody for listening. Thank you so much. Hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving. We will be back next week to review the Texans game and get into the following week and hopefully review our first win. I'm going to keep saying it until it happens, but until then, thank you guys again for listening and we will be back real soon. Bye-bye. Peace. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.